everybody. Welcome to the January 15, 2016 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on GOP State Representative John Kaiser leaving his post to join the race to unseat U.S. Senator Michael Bennett. Patty Calhoun from Westward. Uh, this is a whole new face on the scene. He's 34 years old. He's a veteran of the both of Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, do you think he'll have what it takes to get the nomination out of a very crowded GOP field? Well, that's going to be the tough thing. Right now, the clown car that brought in the Republican presidential candidates can come to Colorado and load up with all these Senate candidates. It's an incredible group. You know, Ryan Frazier's just announcing Robert Blyer. I might have mispronounced that, Blaha. Kaiser's the latest young, different profile, but it's going to just depend on how the party splinters. And Republican Party is definitely splintering these days. David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. You know, Dick Wadham said that it's a, a big year in the party for anti-establishment. Is this the kind of voice that can do well in that kind of a year? Conceivably, and that's an advantage of Colorado's caucus process, where all of the, the more than half dozen uh, Republican candidates will have opportunities to meet uh, up close with lots of well-informed, active Republicans. And out of that group, some, some will emerge. It's, everybody's going to have to be stepping up to a higher level in a bigger league. And, and some will, uh, I think, likely be able to make that transition. Uh, certainly, uh, Kaiser's, uh, Kaiser's issue is an important one. And that's a great thing to have a debate about. There would be a big stark difference between him and Michael Bennett. It's an issue of the highest importance to, to some degree, uh, the, the survival and security of the nation, about which is the best approach to keep Iran from having nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that's exactly the kind of thing that, that should ultimately be settled by the people uh, with an, a good election on, the, on an important issue. Joey Bunch, political reporter from the Denver Post. Thank you very much for joining us. First time at the table. Uh, so over the legislature, this caused, uh, I could see it probably causing a little bit of a kerfuffle because we have uh, Senator Tim, State Senator Tim Neville, who has not stepped down from his post. And then we have uh, Representative uh, Kaiser here making a point uh, to point that out. What's been the reaction over there? Well, everything's about elections. You know, January is more about November than it is the end of the session in May. You know, Kaiser's stepping down at the end of the month. They'll have to name a replacement for him so that he can campaign full time because he's kind of an unknown quantity. Got a great resume, handsome guy, friendly as they come, but Colorado voters don't really know him yet. Tim Neville, they know. So, I don't know. We'll see. It's a gambit to step down and, and lose that bully pulpit of being in the legislature, but let's see how it plays out. I don't think we've seen the last of candidates getting into this race. There's still a chance that we could see a candidate get in, a Republican candidate. I've heard some names who could just clear the field. Uh -huh. And if that happens, then John Kaiser has made a mistake because he's given up his political office. That's a good point. You heard it here first. The clown card might grow. <laughs> Broken here by uh, Joey Bunch. Round out the panel, radio talk show host Miguel Bacabaragon. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, finish it up for us. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, the important issues are going to be coming back to education. Senator Bennett was uh, an extreme advocate for education, especially access to higher education. So when we see what he did from moving from Denver Public Schools on up to becoming a state senator, uh, I think the person that follows that, that path is going to have to have that same interest when it comes to Colorado voters. It's definitely a big issue around here. Well, let's get to it. President Obama delivered his final State of the Union address on Tuesday night, focusing more on accomplishments than a public policy agenda. Democratic leaders in Colorado, including Senator Michael Bennett, praised the president's work in reviving the economy. Meanwhile, Republican Senator Cory Gardner was hoping for a more detailed outline of how the president plans to handle foreign threats. 
Patty, State of the Union addresses are a lot of pop and circumstance, a lot of fun, but this being probably, well, this definitely being the last time we'll see President Obama in this role, what did you think? Well, it was amazing how much he already sounded like a lame duck, and in fact, coverage almost got wiped out by yesterday's Republican presidential um, debate. He, um, to quote Jimmy Fallon, it went from Obamacare to I don't care. He was talking about his legacy, and why not? Because we know unless he does it by executive order, he's not going to get anything through in the next year. So it's not surprised that he would want to really try to remind people of what he believes he's done, and he has made some accomplishments. Whether the economy did come back, how much he had to do with it is debatable, too. But interestingly, he didn't get into his real legacy, which is... Donald Trump's candidacy and the other Republicans we see. He did talk about the need for more civility. I mean, he's talking about things like that. But as we saw from Thursday night, where you had Trump calling Obama a petulant child, and if there's a lot, we see petulance, and most of it was on the Republican <laughs> side. You had Cruz suddenly thinking he should be talking about the 10 sailors in Iran during the State of the Union speech. Everyone is attacking Obama. Um, and his legacy, and that's kind of the legacy he's leaving, is that well, how many originally, 15 Republicans thought they could do a better job as president? Yeah, shrinking by the day as we uh, get closer to Iowa. David, um, I realize that this is uh, a bully pulpit of sorts, but it's January. What kind of advantage does the bully pulpit of a State of the Union address offer President Obama if he wants to have any influence on the upcoming election? Probably not much, because it is, I think, the most boring speech one could watch with all these Politburo-like scenes of people standing up to, to applaud. You know, the, the amount, it, it, it gets to be more like baseball, of how much action you get versus how the, the long interims in between are, uh, make it hard to keep one's attention, regardless of who's giving the, uh, the speech. And it's got even worse ever since Reagan uh, had the idea of, like, oh, let's find American heroes I can point out in the audience. And that, you know, that slows it down even, even more. And so uh, I enjoyed not watching it and, and, and uh, just, just reading the speech and seeing some highlights. Uh, in, ter in terms of Senator Gardner's hope that you'd get more specifics on uh, counterterrorism, Senator Gardner's a, a very optimistic guy, but... He probably also hopes that the Rockies win the World Series, and I will say neither of his hopes are going to come true in 2016. But to focus on the good things that President Obama said, here's one thing that he was right, and I think he's a uniter on, is that education isn't about space or time. It's not a brick-and-mortar building. It's not about one person, one methodology, or one opinion. Innovative education transcends such confines to ensure that our students are prepared to be the future of our country. Now, how to do that is subject to debate, but he really laid out a, a accurate and very helpful goal. Joey, uh, we had a lot of conversation, heard a lot from uh, President Obama about the reviving economy and, and what he says his role in it, in it. Here in Colorado, we definitely have a surging economy. Do you think those words have more credence in a place like Colorado and our purple voters? Well, see, I thought John Hickenlooper was responsible for a rebounded economy here in Colorado. <laughs> Let's be honest about the criticism from Republicans. There was nothing Obama could say that they were going to like to hear. And there was actually, if you look at the responses, the reaction from, from, you know, from Washington, from our delegation there, they found agreement. You know, Doug Lamborn said he was um, agreed with the president that we're polarized, but then he says that President Obama is a, our most polarizing president. Ken Buck agreed with him that our nation's biggest problems are uh, national security, 
um, creating more jobs, and he, he even agrees that gun violence is a problem in our country, but he disagrees with the courts, and then he doesn't go on to say what the Republican response to that is, what, what's the course that Republicans take, and I don't think we've heard that clearly from the presidential candidates yet. Look, you can mark out Barack Obama's name at this point and write Hillary Clinton, because that's what they want to do, is to tie this president to Hillary Clinton. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. You know, the rebounding economy, we've, we've done very well here in Colorado, but we have very unique reasons why we've done very well here in Colorado. So I don't know how much credit you can give President, President Obama for, for what's going on in Denver. Sure. Well, Miguel, I think Joy brings up a good point about Hillary Clinton. Obama's base right now, his big fan base, um, can look back at eight years and probably point out a lot of victories that they're in favor of. Where does that base go from here with the very likely candidate of Hillary Clinton on the Democratic side? Great question. I actually might be one of the few that is uh, very happy to have this president that we've had. Uh, for one, just starting with health care. I am a uh, beneficiary of the Affordable Health Care Act. Prior to the Obamacare, it was like people like to call it, uh, I didn't have health care for many years. So there's a lot of uh, new voters that can relate to the same issues that I relate to. Um, one thing that Hillary is a proponent of is, of course, uh, children and the lack of a, a attend, you know, a, a care for those that are in need. I hate to use the word at risk, but it's more on re receiving of services so that, you know, they just don't have that opportunity to get a hand up in this world, you know, in when we're dealing with uh, children in, in poverty situations, uh, we have, and that's one thing that, that uh, Hillary Clinton started when she, first thing she did when she got out of uh, law school was went and worked for the Children's Defense Fund when it was getting started up. So when you see that she took the different road and going towards uh, wanting to help poverty children rather than make millions of dollars when she graduated number one at, on her in her class, where uh, Bill Clinton was only, I believe, number six or seven. <laughs> so when you see that her graduation and then her interest just coming out of law school, you can figure that that's going to carry forward into her presidential uh, campaign. Should be fun to watch. Well, the other big speech uh, that happened throughout the week was at the legislature because Colorado's 2016 legislative session began on Wednesday. The budget is expected to be a primary issue as the debate over Tabor and the hospital provider fee continues. In his State of the State address, <coughs> Governor John Hickenlooper told legislators that if a compromise cannot be struck on the provider fee issue, then Tabor should be reexamined. David, uh, when Nine News' Kyle Clark had a chance to interview uh, Governor Hickenlooper after the speech, he asked him point blank, was that point he made about handle the fee or re-examine Tabor was a threat? Do you think it was a threat? Oh, nice little bill of rights you got there. Too bad if something might happen to it. <laughs> of course we should re-examine this fee, and we should do it in accordance with our state constitution. A fee is when you pay for something and then you get something. For example, you go to the rec center, you pay a fee of a dollar and they rent you a towel. When this hospital fee is nothing like that. This hospital fee is we take a lot of money from hospitals and we spend it on a social welfare program, Medicaid. Okay, that that maybe that's a legitimate government thing to do, but that ain't, ain't is not a fee in any legitimate sense of the word. When Tabor was on the ballot in 1988, it was narrowly defeated, and one of the strongest things the opponents said in their commercials was it covered fees. And they said, look, this is ridiculous. You're going to have to go to the voters when you... Then they used the towel example specifically. In 1990, 
the revised Tabor, which passed, took the fee thing out. And, and apparently that convinced enough additional voters that, sure, we want to vote on taxes, but we don't need to vote on fees. Those voters who passed Tabor in 1990 were not thinking and had no reason to believe that somebody would try this absurd thing of having this enormous tax on hospitals to spend on social welfare and say that is a fee. It's not a fee. It's not an enterprise. It is just what social welfare government is. Tax some people, give the money to some other people. And so if you want to step outside the taxpayer's bill of rights to say how oh, that somehow doesn't count as the normal operation of government, go to the voters and ask them and they decide to give you permission or not. Joey, you're our guy on the Hill. How was the speech received, and how do you think the legislature is starting uh, vibe-wise? Well, it's starting very rocky. You know, normally we're talking about bipartisanship at mm -hmm. this stage of the game, and then it turns ugly later. It started ugly way before the session this year. And part of the reason is the way the Democrats have framed this thing. They say, you know, if you don't let us do this on the hospital provider fee, well, there's going to be no money for roads or education. And, they, and, and that's kind of a false bargain. We have a $26.4 billion budget. Uh, you know, Brian Del Grosso told the Denver Chamber of Commerce last week that since he's been in the legislature, he has seen the general fund grow by 43%, and not a dime of that new revenue has gone to transportation. What uh, Governor Hickenlooper and the Democrats have offered Republicans is a Faustian bargain. You know, uh, sell your soul for a piece of gold, and your soul is your soul of Tabor. And Republicans say that the um, floodgate on government growth and spending is Tabor. And go find the money somewhere else. To say that, uh, that the reason that we don't have new money for roads and schools is because Republicans wouldn't give an inch on the hospital provider fee. Well, you know, why hasn't it happened in the past legislative sessions? Why haven't we found that money? You know, I don't know. The, um, I don't think it it, the, the speech was funny. It was amusing. They threw rice on the governor who's getting married on Saturday. It was great in that response. But I think in the afterglow of today, uh, one day later, I don't think Republicans, I don't think there was room for compromise. The governor called for compromise, but he wanted compromise on his agenda, not, you know, I'll take some of your agenda, you take some of mine. Miguel Wheeler talking about the hospital provider fee, provider fee and a lot of other uh, minutiae from the Capitol Hill around, around this table. But I think when it comes to regular voters, they may not get into hospital provider fees or other kind of politics. They just want the highways to be paved and things to work. What do you think the average color of voters is going to take away from what's going on right now at the Capitol? Well, first, one is to understand how the process works. Unfortunately, we do not provide that kind of education uh, is as open as it, as it used to be, or as many people take an interest into it. Worst thing we, we do is we complain about the pothole in, a, in front of our house, but we don't realize that there is a whole system that's designed in order to fill that pothole, along with adding lanes to our highways and reducing our congestion. And, you know, look at what Fast Tracks has been able to do. <clears throat> that took forever to get voted in until the demand was there. So, really, it's going to be how well the message gets across to your average voter in the different ways that media is now, uh, whether it's through Internet, whether it's through, you know, television sources like this, that they can get the information on on what would best represent their interest and how they're going to vote. So it's, uh, it's really going to come down to breaking down the argument and making it uh, as simple as how do I get that pothole fixed in front of my house. 
well, I know if we can advertise, you can find out how to get your pothole fixed on this program. We have ratings with Skyrocket, <laughs> yeah. so hopefully they'll put it right <laughs> here. Exactly. Patty, the governor drew a clear line in the sand. Can he hold sway on this issue? Well, sooner or later he can. It might not be in the legislature. It may be at the ballot box. We already have Building a Better Colorado kind of gearing up to put different ballot measures on, and they could certainly see that maybe this is the year, if they want to really make changes in the budget, that something has to go on the ballot about Tabor. I agree it might also be a time to put the hospital provider fee on if they can't get it out of the legislature. Part of the problem is... There is no average Colorado voter except the person who's mad about the pothole that they just ro drove their car into. I think everyone could agree that on that unless they rode their bicycle into the pothole. Uh, it's really tough to explain it, and you cannot count on the media to do that anymore. What, what media? I mean, Joey can talk about how many people are at the legislature now compared to what it was 20 years ago when there was blanket coverage. So it's going to be who can get the word out in a smart way using social media, using other means, who's got campaigns, not just with money, because we've seen lots of expensive campaigns that haven't worked, like the education uh, pr program of a couple years ago. But if you explain it in a good, smart way, which is almost impossible with the hospital provider fee, I could, I could see there could be a lot of action at the ballot box in November. It should be a very interesting November. I can't wait. A coroner's office ruling <laughs> that the November 2015 death of inmate Michael Marshall was a homicide is again putting the spotlight on Michael Mayor, Han Mayor Michael Hancock and the Denver Sheriff's Department. The city has declined to release the jail surveillance video, prompting community leaders, clergy, and members of Marshall's family to begin a hunger strike in protest. Joey, does the mayor at some point need to begin to worry more about the liabilities within his sheriff's department? Well, you know, it's fashionable to beat up on cops across the country, but Denver was way ahead of that trend. We've had problems in Denver for a decade. And, you know, there's a line somewhere between, you know, public accountability and public relations. And I don't think that Denver has found that line, but a lot of, a lot of departments haven't. You know, the families of Michael Marshall are saying, if you've got nothing to hide, release the video. But, but law enforcement also has a, an obligation to conduct a, a thorough, fair investigation. I don't know what the answer is here, but I know that, uh, that the distrust in law enforcement is, is, is a mean dog in itself. You know, the less you trust law enforcement, the less we trust ourselves as a society. So this is just another example of, of, of putting Mayor Hancock and putting law enforcement in Denver to the test, and let's see how they do. That's a good point. Miguel, the mayor did meet with the family and at least offered an apology, but reasserted what Joey talked about as saying, we can't release the video based on an ongoing investigation. Mm -hmm. Does the mayor need to do more, even with a pending investigation? Definitely. Um, from being a prior law enforcement officer, I can tell you that it is a difficult job. And it is a job that is a on the spot kind of reaction. You can't always, you can always do the what if game, you know, and how to prepare for it. And that is about the most uh, way to break it down and be as common as you can get. What if I back out of my garage today and I hit that pothole? You know what I mean? But you pre-plan and you try to figure it out. Now, <clears throat> the, the, as far as the mayor, breaking that down and, and helping the community to understand that there is an ongoing investigation uh, and making the community or helping the community to, to feel that he is uh, being honest about that and is legitimate about coming to justice and what is going to... Um, so if, as long as the mayor presents himself in, uh, in an in a honest way and lets the community know that he's on it, 
okay? And something is going to come out of this investigation, whether it is a fault of certain officers and their actions, or whether it was uh, due to a circumstance uh, beyond their control or, or what was needed at the time. We don't know that. We haven't seen the video. So as far as uh, the mayor's uh, response to the community, it really has to be humble and honest and be truthful, you know, if we do not know. But I will make sure as a mayor that those that are responsible will be held accountable. Patty, where's the tipping point from all of these cases stacking up to where it does some serious long-term damage to the city hall? Have we passed it? Well, we're past the tipping point, and had someone else run against Michael Hancock last, last election, we might have seen just how far past the tipping point we were. There, I mean, this case is so reminiscent of Marvin Booker, which is one of the reasons that the community is up in arms. But let's remember, you were talking about be truthful, you know, give a simple answer. How about give a quick answer? It has been more than two months since he died. So an investigation can, you should, should be pretty far along by now. I don't see any problem with releasing that video. We see how well it worked in Chicago not to release a video. People will be suspicious. You can... Two months out, you can give some context, you can finish your investigation, but they need to be more prompt. David, without much fanfare, a new sheriff of Denver has been selected, not elected, as you've liked to point out. Can that change in leadership uh, begin to change the tide? If, if only there were some way that voters, instead of depending on the sheriff's office department to be run by a mayor who had no political opposition and this very indirect accountability, if only there were some way the, the people of Denver could actually have direct control over and, and accountability for the sheriff's office. Maybe they should ask the city auditor, who, whom they elect, to investigate how things are done in other counties and if there's some other procedure for uh, picking who the sheriff is and make, holding the sheriff accountable to the people themselves. That seems wildly creative for government, yeah. David. I'm not sure yeah. if there's any other options out there. Uh, let's get to our very favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. And as always, Ms. Calhoun, please start us off. Well, this is something we didn't get a chance to talk about, but Kansas, for taking, for holding these children hostage because their father wanted to come to Colorado and use medical marijuana for his PTSD he's suffering from for, as a vet. There's a lot to this story, but... The very simple storyline is outrageous that he is being kept from his kids. David. The Department of Human Services in Colorado, which is now having to pay multi-millions of dollars to the uh, U.S. government uh, for not handling welfare money properly, uh, by not even coming close to meeting the, the mandatory objectives, for people who are on welfare being involved in like having a job or job training or something. So for example among uh, married uh, two family two person couples uh, who are on welfare the federal guidelines say you're supposed to have 80 percent of somebody in that family doing something towards a job and in Colorado it's only 18 percent. Reggie Beecha a retread from the Wisconsin political machine that was kicked out of office by the voters there is doing a terrible job running that department. Joey, your disgrace of the week. Well, you know, I think we it's more fundamental than government. You know, do you believe that marijuana is medicine or do you believe that it's dope? You know, we and we as a nation have to have that discussion. And in Colorado we're leading the way. You know, we we've had medical marijuana for what? 14, 15 years now in Colorado, and I don't think we've reached that as a state yet. So how can you expect people in Alabama, Kansas, 
they haven't had that discussion yet. You know, it is a shame, this situation, but, you know, the, uh, is, is marijuana a drug or is it a medication? We haven't answered that question yet. Miguel, your disgrace of the week. You know, I'm tagging along here with Joey. I have to admit, uh, I was an advocate, uh, you know, in, in getting uh, marijuana uh, uh, legalized here in Colorado, uh, simply because I, I believe in reducing the prison numbers. However, and I agree with Joey, these other states need to start having that conversation, and they need to start introducing this so that it becomes more common or more accessible in their own states. We have the disgrace that I move towards is living downtown and seeing the, you know, the amount of individuals that move to this city and are not interested in finding the jobs but are more interested in your leftovers when you leave, you know, Willie G's. So, you know, and it is, it is becoming a frustration because I know that we have a homeless population that is suffering from mental health. And I really feel terrible for those individuals because they, they are now moved into the outskirts of the city and they can no longer access those, those services. Well, it's our most difficult part of the show, say something nice about somebody. Patty? Not difficult. I have two. Both events next week, obviously the MLK Marade. Mm -hmm. Colorado was one of the very first places to legalize the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. The Marade is great. Um, and also a follow-up on something we talked about last week. There will be a public memorial for Penny Parker at Exto on Friday, November, uh, January 22nd. So there'll be details on our Facebook page. Good. I know there's going to be a lot of people wanting to attend that. It's great. David. The Colorado Department of Local Affairs, which made a large grant so that the city of Palisade can build a indoor-outdoor shooting archery target range, and that's a great way to promote public safety because people have guns. The more opportunities they have to practice responsibility and accuracy and training, the better. Joey. Representative Joe Salazar from Thornton. Uh, he's going to introduce a bill this session that probably won't pass to rename Columbus Day Indigenous Peoples Day. Last year he ran a bill about offensive mascots. He lost that. But what Representative Salazar does is he moves the conversation down the road. And a lot of people and I've watched Joe do this on a lot of issues. He'll take on the unpopular issues, the ones that people are going to beat up on him. It makes it very difficult for him at election time, but what we see too little of in government these days is people with courage. Joe Salazar, I give him a compliment. And uh, Miguel, go ahead and wrap it up for us. Great. Joey, thank you for uh, acknowledging Representative Salazar, and I want to back that up with our voters in Colorado. Uh, just went to the National Stock Show. Give them a big thumbs up because uh, the, the extravaganza last Sunday was incredible, the incredible show. I, I encourage all of your listeners to go to the stock show and support it and the voters for passing the, the, new, the new call scene that they're, well, they're going to renew the whole area there and, and bring it up to date. And uh, so congratulations to the voters on moving forward on this over 110-year uh, tradition. That's all the time we had tonight. Thanks for tuning in. As always, remember to check out our CIO podcast on iTunes and our web-exclusive segments on our Twitter feed. Also, be sure to check out our special night of music on Wednesday, this upcoming Wednesday, including a great Billy Joel concert from, I think it's the 80s or 90s, from Russia. It's, it's fantastic. That's on at 8 p.m. For everyone here at Channel 12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thanks for watching. Good night. Mm -hmm.